Welcome to the Grace Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Mauli Chikata, lead pastor at Grace Center. For more information about this message and our church, visit gracecenter.church or call 0244-010868. Alright, so we're continuing our series um, through the book of Colossians. So this this morning we'll be looking at Colossians chapter 3. We're continuing our series through the book of Colossians. And we'll be looking at Colossians chapter 3 from the verse 12 to the verse 17. About five verses for today. Alright, so let's look at the new man in Christ. That's what we are going to look at today. We're looking at the new man in Christ from Colossians chapter 3 from the verse 12. We'll look at five verses 12 to 17 from the verse 12 of colossians chapter 3 it says therefore as the elect of god holy and beloved put on tender mercies kindness humility meekness long suffering bearing one bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a against another even as christ forgave you so you also must do. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're looking at the new man in Christ Jesus. The new man in Christ Jesus. Paul, after telling us to drop all carnality and everything that is not according to the will of God, now comes to introduce us to who we are in Christ Jesus and who Christ wants us to be. Christ wants us to be a people who are filled with his grace, a people who are filled with his goodness, a people who are filled with his glory. And so this morning, we're looking at these five verses that reveal to us the new man, the reality of who we are in Christ Jesus. And so we examine three elements of the new man in Christ Jesus. The first is that we'll look at the person of the new man. The second is that we'll look at the heart of the new man. And finally, we will look at the virtues of the new man. So the first point is the person of the new man. In the verse 12, Paul reveals to us who the new man in Christ Jesus is. And he says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy, and beloved, 
Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. In the first part of the verse 12, he says, Therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved. As the elect of God, holy and beloved. These, or this sentence reveals to us who the new man is. The first thing we see here is that the new man is elected by God. It's an elect of God. The second is that the new man is holy. The new man is holy. And the third is that the new man is beloved or beloved of God. It says, therefore, as the elect, as the holy, as the beloved, as the elect, as the holy, as the beloved. So he says, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. That is the person of the new man. That is the person of the new man. That is who the new man is. That is who we are in Christ Jesus. And the first thing we see here is the elect. Now the word elect means to choose. To choose or to pick out. To pick out. So for instance, when we go to the polls in about two years to vote, what we are going to do is that we are going to choose. Amongst the many, we are going to choose. We are going to elect. We are going to pick out. To pick out. And it is the same idea of our salvation in the Lord. That the people of God, the new creation in Christ Jesus is chosen, is elected. The, the, the believer in Christ Jesus does not earn his salvation. Does not earn his salvation. The believer in Christ Jesus is chosen, is elected, is picked out by God. And this is a very foundational doctrine in Christianity. We believe as Christians that whoever we are in Christ Jesus is not by merit. It's not by our own doing. It is by God's choice, by God's election. We were picked out. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, there begins the God's mind about election to the world. And God is speaking to the children of Israel. And in the verse 6 of Deuteronomy chapter 7, he says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the people of the, on the face of the earth. So when you read the story of the children of Israel, they were the example that God was giving to us about election. There were many nations in the world, but God chose them. He says, the Lord your God has chosen you. He has elected you. He has picked you out to be a people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face 
of the earth. And God went into, God entered into a covenant relationship with them. So that anybody who tried to fight them, the Lord stood a battle for them. To show them that you are a special people unto me. And that is the same principle that works in our lives when it comes to salvation. That we are saved because God has chosen us. In John chapter 15 verse 6, Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You did not choose me. Sometimes in our expressions, we think that we chose God. You think that you gave your life to Jesus. No, you cannot give your life to Jesus. It's Jesus who gave his life for you. The Bible says in the book of Romans that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you when you were a sinner. Christ died for you when you were a nobody. There was, there, there was nothing to benefit from you. Yet Christ chose to die for you. He chose you. He told his disciples, you did not choose me. I chose you. And it's the same way we are God's elect because he chose us. So sometimes we think that, oh, me, I, me, I, me, I. In our worship of God, we are full of ourselves. You know? Oh, as for me, I don't like, I don't, when I come to church, I don't like it this way. I, I like things done this way. It's not about what you like. It's about what God likes. It's about what God wants. It's about what God has chosen to be done. And that is the reason why we are unable to live our lives unto God because we think that we have a right to determine. But Jesus said, hey, you did not choose me. I chose you. And he says, I chose you and I appointed you. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we see Paul writing to this church, to these people who were scattered as they were being persecuted. Peter writes to them and says to them, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He says you are a chosen generation. God chose us. We are chosen by God. We are elected by God. It is by election. God picks us out of darkness. He's the one who brought us up out of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He elected us. He chose us. He chose us. Until we come to that point where we understand that our relationship with God is by election, we will not enjoy the fullness of the grace of God. The grace of God is what demonstrates to us that we are chosen by God. That's why he says, it is by grace you are saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's why in our salvation, we cannot boast of all we have done because everything we have, everything we are, everything we will ever be is by election. It is God who chose us. So the new man works with this idea, works with this mindset, works with this principle, works with this teaching that I am chosen by the Lord. 
I am elected by the Lord. I was picked up by the Lord. It's God who picked me. The psalmist said, he picked me up out of the mary clay and set my feet upon the rock. The next point about the person of the new man is that the new man is holy. The new man is holy. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy, holy. Now, the word holy means to set apart for God. To set apart for God. To follow God. To be exclusive for God. Exclusive for God. You know, when people walk into a shop and they say they want something which is exclusive to them, what they are saying is that they want this and nobody else should have it. It's like when a movie is released and they say it is exclusive to this channel. It means that no other channel has the right to show it. Only this particular channel can show it. Like football games. It is like, like, like the, 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 the English Premier League. It is exclusive to a company. And if you don't have their decoder, you cannot watch it. It's exclusive. Praise the Lord. It's exclusive. It means if you want it, you have to go to that place. It is for them and for them alone. That's what exclusive means. It means you and you alone. Nobody else has access to it. And when he says that we are it means that we are exclusive for God. It means our lives belong to God. Holiness means that my life belongs to God. Everything about me belongs to God. Set apart. In everything I do, I am set apart. I am a special person for God. And in the same Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6, he says, for you are a holy people. Anywhere you see chosen, you will see holy. Anywhere you see holy, you will see chosen. God elects us for himself. God did not elect us for other people. God did not elect us for other things. God elected us for him and him alone. So the children of Israel, anytime they wanted to imitate things of the other nations, they fell in with God. They went into trouble. They, they, they found themselves in trouble with God. Anytime they wanted to share even what God had with them, with other nations. For instance, when the Ark of the Covenant was taken from the children of Israel and they took it to the Philistines' temple where they had their gods. The Bible says that the God of the Philistines, which was called Dagon, it, he, he fell down, broken into pieces. Hallelujah. Fell down, broken into pieces. Why? Because the presence of, of the Ark of the Covenant was exclusive to the children of Israel. The same way the children of Israel, when the Ark of the Covenant was going to fall, God gave them a commandment that, hey, only the, the people, the Levites, those from the tribe of Levi, the Levites who had dedicated themselves to the service of the temple are supposed to carry the Ark of the Covenant. 
They were carrying it all right. It was going to fall. Somebody who was not a Levite wanted to hold it to save it. God struck him and he died. Yet, another people who were not Levites were able to carry the Ark of the Covenant away without God striking them. Why? Because the loss of God was exclusive to the children of Israel. Holy. That's what holiness means. Exclusive. Set apart for you. And God said to them, you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. God wants you for himself. It's like a married man and a married woman. You are holy to your husband. You are holy to your wife. You cannot leave your husband and go and be related with other men. Because that is unholiness. It is unholy. It is called adultery. That's why the children of Israel always found themselves in adultery when they wanted to relate with other nations. God called them an adulterous nation because they were always relating with other nations. Praise the Lord. That's what holiness means. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as, watch this, just as he chose us in him, election here, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So when God chooses, he chooses you to be holy. He chooses you to set yourself apart. You cannot say that I am chosen of the Lord and so I want to live my life anyway, anyhow. No, the new man in Christ Jesus knows and understands that I am chosen to be holy. So when God chose us, he chose us so that we should be holy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 7. He says, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Praise the Lord. God did not call us to uncleanness. So when God chooses you, he chooses you to be holy. To be holy. To set yourself apart unto him. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19, it says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The Lord knows those who are his. And let anyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Let anyone who's been chosen by the Lord who bears the name of Christ depart. Move away from iniquity. Because when you engage in iniquity, you are sharing God with that which is not of him. And God will not permit that in our lives. God does not want that in our lives. It's not about what you think. It's about what God wants. He chose you. Praise the Lord. He chose you. He chose you. He elected you. Without your effort. He chose you. And he chose you so that you will be for him. So your life is not yours. Your life does not belong to you. Those of you who say, it's my life. It is not your life. It is not your life. It is the life of Christ. It's the life of God. It's the life of God in you. So, so, so there are some people, they come to church, but, but you cannot advise them. You cannot counsel them. You can't even preach to them. 
because they say it is my life. It is not your life. Christ paid his blood for you. And so you must submit yourself to him by dedicating your life unto him. By saying that everything I am, everything I have belongs to him. He's, you are setting yourself apart for a purpose, for God. For God. So you are a chosen generation. A holy nation. Praise the Lord. The next point is that the person of the new creation is beloved. Is beloved. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Beloved means to love. To be full of goodwill. To be full of goodwill. So, the, the chosen of the Lord, the new man who is holy, is loved by God. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3, it says, For the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting life. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I have loved you. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Some of you, your love comes to an end. At some point, your love ceases. But the love of God is everlasting. I said, the love of God is everlasting. The love of God for you is everlasting. You know, there, there are people who love certain kind of foods. But when they fall sick, the love for the food must come to an end. Because if you want to save your life, you have to hate that and not love it. Am I preaching to somebody? But the love of God, no matter what happens, whether we go through the highs, whether we go through the lows, the love of God in our lives, for our lives, is sure, it is permanent, it is everlasting. He's loved us with an everlasting love. Praise the Lord. That's the new man. Luke chapter 2, from the verse 13. Luke chapter 2. From the verse 13. It says, and suddenly there was an angel. There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Hallelujah. He says, On earth peace, goodwill toward men. One of the meanings of beloved is goodwill. And when Christ was born, the heavenly host announced. That there is goodwill toward men. Goodwill toward the people that God has chosen. Toward the people who have proclaimed that they are setting themselves apart unto God. There is goodwill. There is goodwill. Heaven is behind us. Giving us goodwill. Heaven is behind us. Giving us all the support. To, be, to have goodwill means you have all the support. There is no negativity for you. Goodwill. Goodwill. And the host in heaven proclaimed peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. The child of God who is a new creation in Christ Jesus knows that I have the goodwill of heaven. If you can't walk in this assurance, you will always be looking for something more when all you have is Jesus. You think that Christ is not enough. 
But you see, when we have Christ, we have goodwill. We have goodwill. Remember he's preaching to a church that thought that there was something deeper than Jesus Christ. And he's telling them that you are beloved. Christ loves you. God is for you. And if you and I can come to that place where we know that we have the goodwill of God, we will manifest his blessings over our lives. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. So God loves us. You cannot love God until you have come to the full understanding and assurance of his love for you. And that is why many people give up when things don't go well for them. That's why many people reduce their relationship with God to the things that happen around them. But you see, when you know that God loves you, God loved you, God loves you. He loved you when you were nobody. He loved you when you were a sinner. When things go wrong, you will not think that his love has been set aside. You will still love him. Some of us, even our love for, for, for service in the house of God is in seasons and times. We know that things are well with you when we see your commitment to the things of God. The moment things begin to go down, then it shows, it shows, it's so clear. It's like red and, red and green, you know. <laughs> when you are driving and it shows red, you stop. It's, it's so clear like that. When it is green, you're on the highway. When there's green in your life, you're on the highway in service to say, God, I love you. I will serve you. I will do this. When the red comes, we see it, it's clear. It goes down. It's like hot and cold. It's like chilled water and boiled water. The difference is so clear. But you see, when you know that he loved me, when I was a nobody, when I was a sinner, he loved me and he still loves me. His love for me is everlasting. It doesn't matter whether green or red. I love him. He says, we love him. Because he first. In other words, our love for him is dependent on his love for us. And his love for us has already been demonstrated. So therefore, there is no way we cannot love him. There's no way we cannot love him. Because he's shown us his love. How did he show us his love? Ephesians chapter 2 from the verse 4. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive again together with Christ by grace you have been saved. It says, when we were dead in sin, when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. How? Because of his great love with which he loved us. Child of God, God has not dealt with us according to our iniquities. He's not punished us according to our sins. Psalm 103 verse 10. He's not dealt with us according to our iniquities. That's why we cannot let go of his love. Because by that we know that God truly loves us. So we've looked at the person of the new man. The person of the new man is chosen, is holy, and is beloved. Let's look at the heart of the new man. In the verse 15 through to the verse 17, he shows us the, the heart of the new man. He says, and let 
the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which also you were called in one body to be thankful. Let the word of God, word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord. Just giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so here we see three areas of the heart of the new man. The, the, the first is that the heart of the new man is ruled by the peace of God. It is ruled by the peace of God. The second one is that the heart of the new man is filled with the word of Christ. Is filled with the word of Christ. And finally, the heart of the new man is filled with thanksgiving. Three areas of the heart of man we are going to look at. The heart of the new man we are going to look at. Ruled by the peace of God, filled with the word of God, and filled with thanksgiving. The first one is that the heart of the new man is ruled by the peace of God. He says, and let the peace of God rule your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. The word peace here is being in a quiet state. A quiet state that gives you an assurance of your salvation through Christ Jesus. There is tranquility in your heart because you are assured of your salvation in Christ Jesus. The word peace here means that you fear nothing can influence or destroy your salvation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Because there are many believers who feel unsettled about their salvation. An unsettlement in their spirit about their salvation. There is an unsettlement in their heart about their salvation. Remember, he's preaching to a people who have been filled with deception, who have been preached to about a lot of wrong, wrong things, wrong teachings have, have, have taken over that church in Colossae. He dealt with the heresies. And so he says that you have heard all these things, but in Christ Jesus, have peace. Let your heart not be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid when it comes to your salvation. There is an assurance that comes when you are saved, when you believe in Christ Jesus. And that assurance is called the peace of God. Praise the Lord. The reason why many Christians are not growing in their walk with God is because they don't have this peace. They don't have this assurance of their salvation. And he says that, let this assurance rule in your heart. Let this assurance of your salvation rule in your heart. To rule means to control. To rule means to direct. In other words, in your heart as a new believer, as a new creation, as a new man, let the assurance of your salvation be that which directs, that which controls, that which influences your heart. Praise the Lord. Jesus 
In John chapter 14, verse 27. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. My peace I give to you. Not the, not, not the kind of peace the world gives. The kind of peace the world gives is materialistic. The kind of peace the world gives is that when you have money, you have peace. True or false? Oh, hello, true or false? When you have food to eat, you are at peace. True or false? When you have what to wear, where to stay, then you have peace. But there are people who have what to wear, where to stay, what to eat, and still have no peace. There is a peace that comes when you are assured of your salvation. There is a peace that comes when you know who you are in Christ Jesus. And he says, let that peace, let that assurance rule and direct your life. In the sense that even when you don't have the things that the world gives to us and projects as peace, you will still have peace in your heart. So in Romans chapter 8, he said, what shall separate us from the love of God? Shall famine, shall nakedness, shall tribulation, shall peril. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? We may not, we may not have what to wear, but we are assured of our salvation. We may not have what to eat, but we are assured of our salvation. That is the new man in Christ Jesus. The new man in Christ Jesus comes to the point where beyond what is around you in your heart, there is a peace that you walk with. There is an assurance that you walk with. And I pray for you today that you walk in that assurance in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm not saying those things are not good. No, you can have them both. But you see, the other one should not be your focus. Your focus should be the assurance of your salvation. Because whatever you have today, you will lose it one day. One day you will lose it. One day, one day all the things we are fighting for, we will lose them. You say, oh, pastor, are you cursing me? No, I'm not cursing you. Death is awaiting you. You will lose it. You will even take one away. I remember when my father died and we were preparing the body. Charlie, all the clothes he had, we didn't even use one. We didn't even use one. Everything we bought was new for him to enter the grave with. My brother died. We went to the morgue and they were preparing the body. That was the first time I saw how bodies were prepared. The suit, we, we went to buy a nice suit. The guy took the suit and he cut the suit into two. He cut the back of the suit. And then they, they, they bought him the shirt. They said they cut it. It's just, it's just presentation. They just put it there like that. You think they've won it. He's not won anything. They just put it like that. And then they, they raised their arm like this. Then they put it. It wasn't straight. They said, do you have a, a, a newspaper there? Say yes. They put newspapers so that their hand will look okay. At some point, they said, bring pillow. Let's support here. Let's support here. In the coffee. Let's do this. Let's do that. One day you should see how dead bodies are prepared. A lady state. It will change your, your mindset. Amen. 
all the houses my father built. In fact, last time I went with Christian to our village, my father's house. No, not one of his children living there. Not one of our relatives living there. Strangers are living in the house. They don't even know me. Me, 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 my father's house. The people don't know me. I, I had to be now introduced. You know, we packed. I met some people. And then we were going. They said, no, no, come, come, come. These are the people living in the house. Do you know him? He said, no, we don't. Do you know them? I said, no, I don't know them. They said, oh, that's the owner of the house. That's his son. That's his last son. It's okay. Hello, how are you? I didn't even take their number. We just sat in the car. We drove off. He's dead. He's gone. The house is dead. The last time I went to a house, I came back. I said, ah, 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 no, 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 no. This is not it. I saw the state of the house. I was like, oh, tell it. This house not the way the old man, they terrorist like that. He didn't take it away. It's dead. Nobody cares. So sometimes the things we fight for, what is important is the assurance of the salvation you have. It's the truth. You will die. Your glasses, they won't bury you with it. Your shoes, they won't bury you with it. Everything we are fighting for. What is important is the peace of God we have in our hearts. Amen. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the new man knows that he has peace with God. The new man knows that he can walk into the presence of the Lord accepted. The new man knows that we can go into the presence of the Lord knowing that I have peace with God. That is the assurance we have. And he says to them, that let this peace rule your heart. Let it rule your heart. Let the fact that you are saved and you have peace with God determine the decisions of your life. Don't allow what you see on television. Don't allow what you hear. Don't allow what people say to determine what goes on in your heart. Let the peace of God and that peace tells us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. You know why? Sometimes when we worry about certain things, God sees us as faithless people. Like everybody is complaining about the economy. Everybody, you meet, everywhere you go, everybody is complaining. Even when pastors sit, they complain. Everybody is complaining. You know, one pastor was telling me that he, 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 he got an estimate for his roofing for 4,000 CDs. He said, okay, let me plan and then go and pay. After three days, when he went, they said it has gone to 6,000. 6,000? He said, okay, let me go and come back. By the time he went, 14,000. Everybody's complaining. You see, but you see, one of the things that will help us in times like these, it's when we have the peace of God in our hearts. When we know that no matter what, God will take care of us. No matter what, God will take care of you. You will go through, but God will take care of you. Because you have peace with him. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, it says, Don't be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayers and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. You see, the peace of God guards. The peace of God directs. 
The peace of God directs. The peace of God directs. So he says, let the peace of God rule your heart. One of the ways you must let the peace of God rule your heart is concerning who you should marry and who you should not marry. Some of you, you meet a lady, you have no peace in your heart. But because she looks good on the outward, you have no peace. You know in your Like when you talk to the person, when you pray, there's no peace. But still you want to go and marry. Then when you marry and things are not going well, then you blame other people. No, you knew from the beginning there was no peace. There are some people, everything about them doesn't look okay. But you have peace in your heart. And they say, oh, because I know I have peace, but, you see, I have peace, but, I have peace, but. Let peace direct your heart. In your, in your business transactions, there are certain people who come and talk, talk to you about business. It looks good on paper. Everything looks nice. Everything looks like you are going to make money. But the moment they leave, or you leave the table, if I know there's no peace in your heart. But you see, because you are greedy, you say, oh, it's good, it's good, it's good. God is telling, let the peace of God rule your heart, direct your heart, guard your heart. It's good, it's good. Then you go and put your money inside. The very day you transfer the money, that very day the business goes down. You see, there are some other businesses you meet. It doesn't look good, but you have peace. The moment you have peace, go by it. If there's no peace, walk up. It's supposed to guard you. That's the heart of of the new man. The new man is filled with the word of Christ. It's filled with the word of Christ. It's filled with the word of Christ. He said, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. It says, let it dwell. In other words, let it make it abode. Let it make it let it have a dwelling, a living in your heart. What should have a living in your heart? The word of Christ. In the old covenant, listen to what God told the children of Israel about his word. Deuteronomy chapter 6 from the verse 6. It says, and these words which I commanded you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall walk and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you run. Bind them as a sign on your hand and shall be as frontless on your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. In other words, everywhere you go, let the word that I have spoken to you be there. If it is a spectacles you are wearing, let it be the word of God. Let it be on your doorpost. In other words, when you walk into a typical Jewish house, everywhere you will see the commandments of the Lord. Everywhere you will see the word of the Lord. He says when you lie down, when you go to bed, when you rise, when you wake up, everything about you must be the word of God. Let it dwell in you. Let it dwell in you. And he says, let it dwell in you richly. And this is an example of allowing the word of God dwell in you richly. 
Richly means in abundance. It's not touch touch. It's not small here, small there. It's not average here, average here. He says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. The new man allows the word of God to dwell in him richly. You cannot be a believer who does not love the word of God. You don't have a Bible. Even when I see your Bible, whether you love the word of God or not. You have a Bible, but you don't even read. There's nothing about you that shows that you love the word of God richly. When we put the messages there, you will not listen. You don't even listen. You don't even watch. You wake up in the morning, you will not read your Bible. You go and come back. You will not read your Bible. When you come to church, instead of you reading your Bible, you are reading messages on WhatsApp, you are on Twitter, you are on Instagram, you are on, on TikTok, you are on Snapchat, you are everywhere except the Bible. Some, some people, when they come to my office and then I'm going to share something with them, I say, okay, so let's look at Romans chapter 4, verse 12. So, Pastor, I don't have my Bible here. I say, you have your phone. Then they say, okay. Then they are now going to Google to type Romans chapter 4, verse 12, which means that they don't even have the Bible app on their phone. They don't even, they've not even downloaded it yet. But if you check their phone, the kinds of things they've downloaded, it says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Everywhere you pass, we must see the word of God around you. We must see the word of God around you. Everywhere you go. He says, when you sleep, when you wake up, when you lie down, edit everything about you. And he says, teach them diligently to your children. If a father, you are the first pastor of your children. If you are a mother, you are the first pastor of your children. You have to teach them. But how can you teach what you don't know? You know, some people, when their children ask them questions at home, they say, wait, when we go to church on Sunday, you go and ask your pastor. Wait, when we go to church, you go and ask your Sunday school madam. You go and ask your Sunday school teacher. Wait, wait, this question, it is for pastor. You are the first pastor in your home. Some people are laughing because they know I'm telling their story. Praise the Lord. So let it dwell in you richly. Richly. Let it dwell in you richly. In all wisdom. Listen, David, in Psalm 119, verse 11, he says, Your word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart. It is hid, it is dwelling in my heart. I protect it in my heart, so that I may not sin. You know why you sin? It's because the word is not hidden in your heart. Because, because what you're about to do, it, there's no word that jumps up to counter it. Jeremiah 15, 16. Look at this. He says, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. He said, your word was found and I ate them. It reminds me of, of Ezekiel. The Lord said to him, eat the scroll. Eat the word. Let it dwell in you. Feed on the word. Some of you if you don't have food in the morning, on a Sunday morning, you will not come to church. Your food is very important. Without food, you don't do anything. But your spirit is suffering because there's nothing feeding 
your spirit. All you are doing is feeding your body. It says, let the word of God dwell in your heart richly. And when it dwells in your heart, it says, teaching and admonishing one another. We teach one another. When, when I get close to you, what are you teaching me? When somebody gets close to you, what are you teaching the person? Are you teaching the person sin or you are teaching the person the word of God? Are you teaching the person righteousness or you are teaching the person evil? When I get closer to you, what, do, what can we talk about? He says, teaching one another. We must get to the point where when we get close to somebody, the word of God in our heart will rub off them. He says, teaching one another and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. You see, when the word of God dwells in you, even it affects the kinds of songs you sing. Your love for certain kinds of songs is a revelation of the love of the word of God in your heart. Because when the word of God dwells in your heart, you will want to sing psalms, you will want to sing hymns, you will want to sing spiritual songs. When it dwells in your heart richly, you will not love all those songs. Nobody will have to tell you this is not something you have to listen to. When the word dwells in you, 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 you will unpack it. You will set it aside. You will leave it somewhere. Today, if I should take your phone and I should go to your, to your library of songs you listen to, would it be a reflection of the word of God dwelling in you richly? Would that be? The songs you listen to, they are a revelation of the abundance of the word that is in your heart. You come to church. When we are singing, you say, oh, I don't like this song. I don't love this song. This one, it's because there's no word in you. You don't love God. You don't love his word. It's not dwelling richly. You only get the word once a week on a Sunday morning when you come. And even that one, when we are preaching, your attention is somewhere. You even come to church tired. So when preaching, you are sleeping. You come to church worried. You can't wait for us to close so that you can chase that business contract. You come to church and you can't wait for that omotu of you are going to eat. You don't want the word of God to dwell in your heart richly. Praise the Lord. You have money to buy everything, but you can't have money to buy a Bible, to buy a book that will develop you spiritually. So no wonder it is difficult for you not to listen to gospel music. It is so, di it's so difficult for you. How are you here? Some of you, you know when, when, when the next album, the next track, the next single, the next EP, the next whatever, you know when that guy, that secular person is going to launch it, is going to release it, you know who is going to be featured, you know everything, but you don't know the next time Dana Hamilton is going to hold, host a conference. You don't know her next concert. You, December, you know everybody and the shows. You know the programs. You know who is coming. You know, but you can't mention one. Even we have to remind you about your own church, Jesus Worship. That, is, is, that it is on 25th of December. You don't even know. But you know everything. Because the word of God is not dwelling richly in your heart. Can I hear an amen? amen. When we said the night of hymns. So, 
Hymns, 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 hymns. Oh, hymns is the, hymns is the, hymns. You didn't come. Ask the people who came. It was an awesome time. So it's one of the best programs we have ever had in this church. Full of the word of God. When the word of God dwells richly in your heart, it will affect the song you desire. The Bible is good. The Bible is sweet. I'm enjoying preaching it to you. Let it dwell in your heart richly. Praise the Lord. Some of you, when we send the daily, daily explanation of the scriptures, when we post it, you are like, oh, pastor, today again. And Nesubiu. Like, Jesus, let the word dwell in your heart richly. That is who the new man is. The next thing is that the new man is full of praise. So saying, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. When, when you are a new man, you always give thanks to God. The new believer always gives thanks to God. And finally, we'll look at the virtues of the new man. The virtues of the new man. What virtues, what kind of character do you have as a new man? Chapter 3 from verse 12. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Put on tender mercies. Be compassionate. That's, that's what the virtue. The virtue of being compassionate to people. He says what? Kindness. Humility. The new man is not full of himself. The new man is humble. Meekness. Long-suffering. Bearing one another. Long-suffering is patience. Amen? Some of us need patience. Long-suffering. And he goes further to say, bearing one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. So the new man does not forgive according to what is done, but it's according to what Christ has done. So in other words, in, in all things, Christ is superior. He said, look at how Christ has forgiven you and forgive the other person. Hallelujah. I was talking to somebody this week. The person said, oh, me, I don't have anything to do with my father again. When my father gave birth to us, he left us. He ran away and left. Now that he has seen that we have come big people, he's coming back, he's calling, he's doing this. Me, dear, I don't want him. I said, forgive your father. I said, share me, forgive. Me, forgive. But you see, he says, as Christ forgave you, as Christ forgave you, forgive. Forgive. Praise the Lord. The way you enjoy the forgiveness that comes through Christ Jesus. Let somebody also enjoy your forgiveness. So, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So he's given us virtues that we must walk in as a new man. So this morning, we've looked at the three elements of the new man. The person of the new man, the heart of the new man, and the virtue of the new man. And I pray that you and I will manifest, will come out as new men and women in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Center Sermon of the Week with Pastor Mauli Chikata. For more information, visit gracecenter.church 
or call 0244 010863 to get in touch with our ministry. 